0: Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill-Smith. And this is a podcast about all of the dumb things that people will do for love.
1: <laughs> so welcome to episode 120. Sally... Looking good, looking hot. I'm in the I'm in the cubby. We're in the cubby.
0: We're <laughs> in Jen's divorce apartment <laughs> <The cubby.
1: laughs> And listen, oh, we let's make be the quiet. most of
0: it. We have
1: fun, Sally. We have fun, we have in fun here. We've got wine. We've got wine in here. We're sitting in a box. <laughs> We're sitting in a cardboard box. Uh, There's no construction going on today, so I don't know if you guys will know what to do with yourselves. It's a divorce apartment miracle. (laughs) Watch, like, two seconds. I know. I'm like, we're going to hear a whistle, like,
0: (laughs) the crew is just
1: taking a break. Oh, you thought you were going to have an easy day? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I tell you you guys,
0: every... um, I don't think we've discussed this on the pod, but the situation with I, the Jen sad divorce apartment, we're doing a thing <laughs> called <laughs> nesting. But it's where um, we take turns staying at this apartment and then our home so that the kids do not have to move back and forth. It's a temporary situation. But for now, um, so I'm only here a few days a week, but yeah. when I am here, it's real depressing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jen, Jen was like, it's, this apartment's kind of sad. And I was like, Yeah, dude. (laughs) I was like, I can't, I can't lie and be like it's cheery. (laughs) I was literally just last night telling someone, and I'm like, yeah, my friend Sally,
0: like she's like sunshine in a person. And even Sally, when she walked into my apartment, was like, you got to get out
1: of (laughs) here. I know, I think I suggested last week, I was like, I heard of someone who has, like, a carriage house, which, like, that's even, like, like, living over someone's garage is better. It
0: actually is. But there's, um, there's construction right outside of the building that it starts from 7 a.m. every morning, and it usually ends at 7 p.m. every evening. But you hear the whistle. It's like a rooster. It's like an urban (laughs) rooster. You just wake up to like, wee-wee! Like, you know that Mary Poppins (laughs) whistle? Yeah. It's that, but it's for construction (laughs) workers right outside my window. (laughs) And
1: you're like, and you wake up like, good morning, world! (laughs) I'm going to look at my... (laughs) cream-colored walls. (laughs) They're bare and they're made of stone. My one window.
0: (laughs) And my really uncomfortable uh, temporary couch that we bought off Craigslist for $150. (laughs) And Uh, start my day. You know,
1: we have fun. We have fun. We have fun, Sally. (laughs) I did think about it after I was like, you were like, it's just it's real sad in here, and I was like, yeah, it's real sad. And I was like, should I have been like, no, <laughs> no, it's I great. always <laughs> honesty is always the best
0: because it makes me feel validated. Yeah, well, I always appreciate when people tell me the truth rather than people sugarcoat <laughs> things because then I'll just run around like a like, am I wrong? Am yeah, I am like I a Tasmanian wrong? devil yeah. of doubt? Like, am I crazy? Am I crazy? You guys see this? You see. So, I just need a hint of like a punch of honesty to stop me in my tracks. Like, yeah, it is fucking
1: depressing. Let's get you out of here, girl. Well, Um, I mean, you know, we are at a card table, (laughs) we are at a
0: card table with folding chairs.
1: (laughs) In an
0: empty room with nothing on the walls. Welcome.
1: What's depressing about
0: that? (laughs) It's minimalist. There is wine here. Wow. That's great. Um, There must be. There must be wine. There must be wine. Uh, Let's get into our quickies. Let's do it. You're going first this week. Hmm. So I'm not at uh, risk of having copied your... Quickie. <laughs> we're doing the same one because
1: you're going first. I really hope we're not doing the same one. I I, I really doubt it. I doubt it this week. Okay. Okay. Uh, my quickie is from the Huffington Post. It's by Sabina Nissick Okay. Nixick. Nick Sack. <laughs> Nick. What are you saying? <laughs> I'm saying the same. Okay. Nick Sack. Nick Sack. <laughs> 72-year-old Vojn Kusik built a very unique house for his wife, Lubica, in the town of Srebak in Bosnia-Herzegovina. We're definitely not doing the same cookie. <laughs> Those were all... I was like, I don't like, know how to say any of these things right, but I have been to Bosnia. You have? I have. It actually was one of my absolute favorite places we went. Really? Yeah, we, we were living in Hungary. We went to Sarajevo in Bosnia. We went to this little town called Mostar. And it was like the most interesting place because it's like it's Muslim, Mm -hmm. but it's also like still kind of war torn. I mean, it was just like it was beautiful and it was also interesting. a lot of history. Anyway, highly recommend it. Cool. So Kusik said, after I reached an advanced age and after my children took over the family business, I finally had enough time to task myself with granting my wife her wish. And her wish was that she wanted to be able to change the position of rooms in her house whenever she wants so that she could see different things out of the window at different times like of the day. Like a Rubik's Cube of a house? Like you can... Kind of. It. Like she's like... Like so, a
0: sundial. Have you been to the sundial in Atlanta? No. I actually haven't, but it's like a... It used to be a destination in atlanta it's a
1: restaurant that like oh like a spins. rotating restaurant yeah, yes yeah, yeah. yes okay yes, exactly so okay so when they got married he had built like a regular house for his family and they raised three kids what there. a loser i know what a <laughs> in shithead um but at the time his wife when they built it she was like i want our bedrooms to face the sun and so he did but then like but it meant that their living room faced away from the road and so after like a lot of years in the house she was like I wish, you know, I could see people entering from the road. And so he remodeled the house like so that she could see from the living room wow. people facing the road. And so and then six years ago, the last of their three children got married, and they ended up letting him, their kid, and his wife— move into like take over the upstairs of their house so now they're living on the bottom floor and he said once again this time on the ground floor i had to start start tearing down walls so they could get view the views she wanted but then he decided instead of the constant remodeling that he was going to build a new rotating house that she can spin as she pleases. Oh my god. So he he didn't like go to college for architecture or anything or engineering, but he designed and built his rotating house by himself. He used electric motors and wheels out of an old military transport vehicle and it has like this green exterior, red metal roof and is fully rotating. And he said, "Now our front door ro- also rotates. So if she wa- if she spots unwanted guests heading our way, she can spin the house and make them turn away." Kind of joking. So I'm kind of like, I'm wondering how, what you think about this because I'm kind of on the fence. Okay, I think it's very very sweet, but I'm also like, oh, that sounds safe. Part of me is like, how love? What a lovely gesture! This is like a man who just really loves his wife. Or is it like a woman who made an offhanded comment like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to be able to see the road? And then he was like, fine, I'll fix it.
0: Oh. You know what I mean? Oh, I don't think so. No, you think this is just something to really... No, like if you've ever lived through a home renovation, it's absolutely horrific <laughs> would not recommend yeah. there's no way that this wife was like unless she really fucking wanted it yeah you know what i mean yeah like it could not have been an offhanded comment and yeah. then she had to uproot everything for him to build this crazy house
1: do you would you want to live in a spinning house No. No.
0: (laughs) I wouldn't. No, me neither. I wouldn't. I think, no, I can't even watch my kids on the carousel without throwing up.
1: No, I used to be someone who could do, (laughs) like, I loved roller coasters. I could do any of the spinning stuff. And now I get on that, like, you know, merry-go-round for, like, two seconds or just, like, twirl around. And I'm like, I'm going to throw. Yeah, I
0: can't even like. I was trying to. We were in when we were in Portland. We went to an amusement park and my kids were riding the carousel, and I was trying to take pictures and watch them and smile. And I was like, I can't even look at you on this thing. <laughs> can look without, at you. You're idiots. Look at you, kids, without wanting to puke. So no, I think a um, a rotating house would freak me out. Plus, I wouldn't trust that. He built it right.
1: Oh, yeah. And it's... <laughs> I mean, I, I'll post the pictures. It doesn't look super sturdy. It doesn't look like it I I would think it was
0: like uh, an electrical fire waiting to happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel
1: like it's just going to plonk over at some point for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so that's my quickie. That's a good
0: one. So my quickie this week is for an article for TheInsider.com mm-hmm. uh, written by Rachel Murphy. And you guys, I know I said it last week that I would do Halloween-themed quickies mm-hmm. throughout the rest of the month. I tried. I Googled. I researched. I re-Googled. I re-researched. <laughs> There's isn't
1: any. Yeah, I know. You know I looked a little I can't bit too.
0: make shit happen for you. <laughs> I can't pull things out of thin air. So I thought I would give you guys a little gift and um, give you another awesome... Listicle. Yay! We've
1: been doing Listicle in a while.
0: (laughs) I know. This is like, uh, so this was compiled by Rachel Murphy for insider.com. They asked um, Reddit users, what are the most annoying wedding requests that your guests have made? Oh. Which is something we definitely haven't talked about before. And I've never really thought about that, but usually there are a couple of annoying guests requests. Yeah, so they ask Reddit users to send in their stories and they're pretty great. Yeah. Um, the, and, and I would like to see what how you guys would handle these situations. But the first one, um, this is by a, Reddit, a Redditor named Jumbledash. Uh, he uh, said, a family member on my husband's side asked if they could have 10 seats rather than the three that they had RSVP'd for, which that's fucking expensive as hell. That's seven extra seats.
1: I know. <laughs> Who were they
0: bringing? She said, even though it was only a couple of weeks from the big day, it was actually no biggie. That's oh. nice and chill of you. Yeah. She said, I didn't know his family well, and I thought it would be nice to meet more of them. So we added seven meals and seats to our total and gave them their own table. On the wedding day, zero of the <gasps> ten showed up.
1: No. No ex-
0: no notice, no excuse. They were the only guests to not attend. In hindsight, it's annoying and a ridiculous request. Thankfully, on the day of we didn't notice or care. That's awesome that they didn't notice or care, but that would really pissed me off because yeah. that's like a, at least a $100 a person. That's a lot of money. And then if you cared enough to request those seats and then you couldn't even...
1: Be like, hey, heads up, sorry. Yes. We, we're snowed in or whatever with yeah. our seven extra people. I felt like such an asshole. I remember
0: um, when I got married and I felt really bad about it. I feel bad about it for to this day, but it I was just a moment of stress when... It was, like, a week before the wedding. And yeah. a friend of mine was, like, oh, I'm going to try. I'm going to try my best to get down there. And I was, like, then you're not coming. Yeah. I was, like, I'm sorry. I'm not pay- buying a, right. like, seat for you if you're not coming. Like, it's a week away. Like, it's not one of those things. You make it or you don't. And yeah. so I, I told him, like, then you're not coming. I'm sorry. And then I felt really bad because then, you know, they felt disinvited
1: to my wedding. Well, but it wasn't, No, they disinvited themselves. Yeah, you're right. So if you don't RSVP themselves. after a certain time, then you are no longer invited to the wedding. Yes. Yeah, that's Thank why you. there is a cutoff date. Exactly. An RSVP buy. Like, unless it's like a potluck, right? Yeah. Like, unless it's like, oh, it doesn't matter how many people are there. But most but weddings, you are paying per person.
0: We're sending an RSVP card with a stamped envelope, not like a, hope
1: you can make it. <laughs> hey maybe, maybe i'll stop by sometime like i don't know my my band practice ends at like three or four but usually we get some beers after so like, yeah will swing
0: by new, new orleans, orleans room. on my way home can you bring some friends
1: um okay
0: so this next one says um a future future husband's sister who is vegan wants to sit at a table with only vegan okay. people or vegetarian if she has to it says <laughs> uh, and then this person wrote um you're sitting with your parents who we eat dinner with all the time and they're not vegan so get over yourself um that's so funny um Especially because my, my ex and my kids are vegan. Yeah. And so it's just funny, like, because um, that is so not something they would ever do or consider no. that they couldn't be at a table with vegan people.
1: Like, I would, we came to your house once and and Zach was like grilling meat for other people. I remember yeah. like, he was like, I'm grilling. He's like, yeah, well, I can grill your chicken or whatever. And I was like, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> I'm bad. And he was like, no, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> no, <laughs> I know you're eating it. <laughs> I was like, okay.
0: Uh, this one says, um, it's funny, a lot of these are all food-related issues. This one said, we asked people to let us know if they had any allergies or religious dietary requirements. Uh-huh some people came back to us with preferences of ingredients they didn't like uh, oh. <laughs> a fact that became quite obvious after I had to clarify how serious the allergy was and if other related ingredients might cause an issue <laughs> how pretentious can you be it said in that it's a redditor called heaven in a cup that's hilarious to me like people <laughs> just saying, like I don't like mushrooms <laughs> <laughs> it's a Texture thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one says, um, "My mom told me that a couple friend of my brother wants to book a resort for our wedding week just to take advantage of the group rate. I think it's fine if my brother wants to bring his friend as his plus one. I've known my brother's friend for forever, but the couple wasn't invited. I'm not. I've never even met his girlfriend. Is this normal?"
1: I? actually think that one's fine like like you don't have to come to the wedding but if they're like oh can we get in on the group rate and it doesn't it's not like like it's it, not like the bride pays for the group rate. Right? no they just give it to you get as long discount. as you book like enough yeah. rooms I mean as long as it's not like you somebody from your wedding doesn't get a room because these people wanted a discount right I mean right, it's right, a right. little tacky it is tacky it's tacky but yeah. I also would just be like okay. but you would do it yeah, we're good, whatever. <laughs> no, I mean, you and us. Oh, I, no, never. Are you kidding I'm me? Joking. I wouldn't even, if somebody, like... If I was going to a wedding and someone forgot to give me the group rate, I just probably would just
0: pay full price, price and be polite. <laughs> yeah. Same. <laughs> um, oh, and then she said, on top of this, another friend said her parents suggested that they go to the resort for um, for the wedding week and look after the kids while she's at her wedding. But they, the parents, are also not invited. Do people do this? I think yes. Oh, people bring. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm saying like so. She was saying like her so her parents are going to come get the group rate and just stay for the week just so that they could watch the kids yeah for I think that's fine I've, I've yeah. actually been to weddings where someone's parent got a
1: room just so they could be like the babysitter parent yeah I, I think, think that's my like Ben's brother's in-laws came I mean we knew them so it wasn't like oh we don't want them in our wedding, but they came specifically to watch to be the babysitter. Yeah, to be yeah. babysitter for like for the weekend and we were like great I mean, we're happy yeah. to have them, and also
0: like, yeah, watched
1: our niece. And
0: it makes it so that your friend can hang out. Yeah. So I don't see anything wrong with that one. Yeah. Um, um, I think that's and then thoughtful. This one, oh, the same person said, I know we can't stop people from going to the resort the same week, but it seems weird to me, and it seems bold that they would use our group rate when they're not on the guest list. Am I being controlling, or is this normal? I would listen, uh, her name's uh, Redditor Cotton Nomi. Cotton Nomi, you
1: listening?
0: Cotton Nomi, listen. I think just like, don't even think about
1: it. Yeah, this is like one of those things. This person has been
0: married for seven years at this point. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm kidding. This came out in like 2019. Um, But close. Yeah. But I think it's. I this is something that it's not affecting you, it's not affect you're not paying for it, who gives a shit as long as like people can still get yeah, rooms, I think it's fine.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. my opinion on all wedding things is like it is stressful enough. Like don't worry about shit that doesn't matter. Like just yeah. don't like it it is going to ruin your day to try to make everything perfect and exactly your vision and whatever. Just don't just let, let, the, let yeah. things like that go. Yeah,
0: exactly. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I had wedding pictures at my wedding.
1: Yeah.
0: But I was like, as soon as I walked in, as soon as I walked in, it was like,
1: welcome. <laughs> I was like, they don't belong here. <laughs> get
0: them out. Because they were in fucking flip flops. Flip. And I didn't flops. know those flip flops. <laughs> like, get them out. No, it was like my mom's friend, like, Yeah, came to the wedding and was whooping it up, and found some dudes and invited them to my wedding. I know. (laughs) Oh no! It's really I wouldn't have cared. I wouldn't have cared at all if they ate and drank or whatever. But they looked smug as hell. (laughs) They had like you know, like those like neck party necklaces on like they're wearing beads and oh flip they just like and backwards in. hats yeah. and drinking they look like they like got away with some shit yeah and that's what set me off yeah I, I
1: would like, be okay. anyway yeah. i'm
0: with you um so this redditor whose name is uh one stool softener at a time okay yeah uh All said good advice <laughs> <laughs> my brother's it's wife like pat,
1: it's like pot cookies Like, yeah, let it, let it tiny. Yeah. Give yourself some time. Let it, let it hit you first. (laughs) Don't, don't be like, oh, this isn't working. And then take another. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, This person said, My brother's wife asked me to postpone the wedding for a year or two because she was trying to get pregnant the following year. She also insisted that the wedding cake be vegan. There's, okay, I'm spoiler alert a lot of these have to do with vegans. Fucking vegans. (laughs) So she uh, also insisted the wedding cake be vegan for religious reasons. I was fine with it, but I was fine with providing a vegetarian meal option for the guests that I knew would want it. But the cake, no. That's your religion, not mine. She ended up not coming anyway, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. Can you imagine asking someone to, like, design their entire wedding cake around your preferences?
1: Well, and the date of, like, I'm trying to get pregnant.
0: It's yeah. It's so self-centered. That's wild. Um, this one, um, redditor aspash e five said, uh, "One of the bridesmaids brought her fiance to the wedding and wanted our photographer to do an improm- impromptu engagement photo shoot. The photographer laughed in her face." Okay, good. <laughs> what a jerk. Okay, real quick, I want to do. Um, Two more real quick. Okay. Okay, so Redditor backyard panda 8 said, My high school friend, not even my best friend, made me swear at 18 that I would make her a bridesmaid. When I got married, I followed through to my poor judgment. <laughs> this girl showed up two days prior to the wedding expecting to stay at my parents' house. No. Didn't show up to our wedding party nails appointment. I mean... I didn't have a wedding. <laughs> wedding party nails? Uh, yeah. Uh, she said, uh, spilled sauce in her bridesmaid dress the day of the wedding because she was eating in the car, forgot her shoes at the hotel... Um, that I paid for and had to go back but refused to use a GPS and spent an hour trying to find <laughs> her way back to the salon, hit on one of the groomsmen who was already engaged and never smoke, spoke to me after the wedding. It's been over five years. And then she said, oh, and she also cut off all of her hair the week before the wedding, save for a long rat tail on the back. <laughs> <laughs> See that one was worth it just for the rat tail, and this last one, real quick, and it um it's by redditor uh, smokes my goats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my best. <laughs> I feel friend like you in, had a stroke. There. I know smokes my, goats. Um, my best friend in fifteen years and maid of honor turned down the idea of bringing her family to my out of state wedding, only to demand that she either leave at the beginning of the reception or that she gets to bring her six month old less than two weeks before. My wedding. Okay, so this is one of those things, like, what would you do? Okay. Because it's a gray area. Um, we discussed everything in depth. She thought she could walk down the aisle carrying her six-month-old. She had no plans on if the baby started crying, um, stating, if is it really a big deal if she fusses? Yes, yes, it is. I've been to weddings where the baby was screaming and the parent didn't do anything. Uh, I would have been out of there so fucking right? fast. First of all, I don't know that I've ever brought a baby to a wedding. No. <laughs> I did bring a baby to one wedding, but I stood, like, outside.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Where I belong.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Fucking parent. (laughs) Um, Shame. But
0: she said, anyway, she gave me the options, either the baby come or she comes late. Um, and misses the rehearsal. I chose that she missed the rehearsal. Yeah. She got mad because apparently the option I chose was wrong, so she completely ignored me for a week. So that brings us to a week before my out-of-state wedding. She finally talks to me. At this point, I'm pissed. I compromised, and she ignored me. I had her food and lodging set up, and then it says she literally only had to pay for her dress and her plane ticket. I even chose a vegan-friendly restaurant for this (laughs) rehearsal dinner for her. I was there to support her and celebrate her. I threw her a birthday party in middle school. <laughs> All right. I was there when both of her kids were born. I helped throw her baby showers. Why couldn't she give me one weekend? What helped me make up my mind was my husband asking me, what has she done for you? What has she done for you lately yeah. So <laughs> I didn't have an answer. So by the time she stopped ignoring me, I replaced her at my wedding and told her she wasn't invited and we weren't friends anymore. I loved her and cried for days, but she's a huge brat and I'm done with worrying about her and her problems. Oh, man. <laughs> this yeah. one seems intense. I really only brought this one up because they mentioned the vegan thing and I just think it's so <laughs> funny how three times in one go about wedding guests was it mentioned how terrible vegans are. Vegan. This is
1: why people hate vegans. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it is like, like we made sure we had vegetarian vegan options. We had friends who were vegetarians and vegans at our yeah. wedding, and so I think if you're gonna ask someone co- to come and you're gonna serve dinner, you should have an option right. for people who don't eat meat. Like that's. I mean, we also had like, a we had a very casual wedding, so we could have a lot of options, but right. I think Ed, that is different from demanding, <laughs> like yeah. other things. But yeah, the baby carrying a baby down the wedding—I don't know. I mean, your brain does get Somebody crazy. Somebody hold the baby for a second. Somebody can hold the baby. Like your brain does get crazy when you have a baby and when you're breastfeeding, and it if it's feels your first like baby. Yes, you feel like you cannot be away from that baby. Like right. I remember having like a breakdown because I had. I had scheduled like road work and I hadn't pumped enough milk and Max had never had anything but breast milk. And I was like, I can't be away for four days. And what am I going to do? And then finally, I think my mom was like, going for me? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> of course. Of course. Like, of course I should. But it just was like, I couldn't see it. You know, like it was like, so like I was just like circling like everybody's baby. But that is, like, the request of, like, I'll just carry my baby down the fucking aisle at your wedding is, like, no, you just say, like, I can't come. Yeah. Like, you don't make it about you. You just say, I'm sorry, I can't leave this baby alone because I have to breastfeed it or whatever.
0: I also feel like maybe it was time for these best friends of 15 years to part ways. Yeah,
1: she was ready to (laughs) say goodbye uh, over this. Like, I mean, I just think, like, if neither of them could they could out have a compassion way. for each other, like yes. it's your wedding day
0: and I love you and I want it to be perfect and you just had a baby and I love you and I yeah. want you to be And comfortable. I don't care, I just want
1: you to like be a part of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It seems like they might have been more of uh, best frenemies than best friends. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you know, everything happens for a reason and I hope that they both moved on with their lives and um they're eating in separate restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> One with it with, with kids or without their children. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> one oh. is at a family-friendly restaurant, and one is at a discotheque. Yep. A discotheque. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have restaurants at a discotheque? I haven't been out lately. Uh, <laughs> um, so that's my quickie. Oh, well, I will Give a- you a little extra since I couldn't come through with the Halloween. <laughs> I love a listicle. <laughs> Always
1: a good time. Hey, John. Hey Sally, are you ready for a wild story? I am. This one's. The wilder, the better. This one is great. It's also It's a love story and a wild story. What? Yeah. You can do both. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, I got my information from a great article in Esquire by David Galvey Hurd. I laughing. <That'd be
0: good. laughs> What if one of these days like... And I got my information from the New York Post, an article from Medium, and Barry. Also a guy named Barry.
1: <laughs> I got my information.
0: I just, I just met him and he seems really smart. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to uh, cut you from,
1: off. I got my information from John, who plays drums outside of my apartment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, Esquire uh, by David Gavi Herbert From Washington Post by Cynthia Gourney uh, From the LA Times And from the Chicago Tribune by Dean i And from my best friend's brother that knows a lot of shit <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> Who watched a show about this one time And he kind of remembers it He was high, but he gets, he gets like some of the details <laughs> I think they went to high school together uh, Okay, on November 10th, 1986 Dorinda Lopez and Ron McIntosh were shopping at a mall in Sacramento. They were freshly engaged, but they hadn't picked out rings yet. So when two platinum wedding rings caught Dorinda's eye at a jewelry store, Ron told her that he wanted her to have them. Both? Well, I think it was like wedding bands. Okay, okay. something. I did say engagement rings, but wedding bands. Okay. So he put down a $1,000 deposit on the rings, and he told the clerk to engrave them with TB Love MLB and MLB Love TB for their nicknames. Major League (laughs) Baseball Loves Tuberculosis. (laughs) And tuberculosis. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) That would be my first (laughs) For It was their nicknames, his... She called him Teddy Bear, and he called her My Lady Bear. Aww, M L B on T V. Sweet. So the jeweler told them, "Great, they'll be ready in five days." So they went. They ended up going back to the mall together five days later to pick the rings up. And the minute they walked into to the store, something fell off. But like, despite like feeling like something was wrong, they walked into the store anyway. And when they got up to the counter, a voice said from behind them. Put your hands in the air. <gasps> Soon it seemed everyone in the store had a gun pointed at the couple. <gasps> because Ron and Dorinda were not just a couple in love. These two lovebirds have been the subject of one of the biggest nationwide man hunts after Ron had broken Dorinda out of federal prison oh, 10 days earlier. My God.
0: I just have to say it. This is going to be completely lost on you because you're not a Housewives fan. But everything in my body just wants to go. What are you doing here without Dorinda? (laughs) Oh, is that Housewives fans will understand. Okay. Dorinda Medley,
1: New York. Nope. You said it. You looked at me like maybe that, maybe the last name will get it. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm going to be saying Dorinda a lot. Do you want to get it out now? I
0: I erred. Okay. Okay.
1: What are you doing here without Dorinda? (laughs) Yes. Okay. 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 Okay, So outside the mall, the U.S. March. Marshalls pushed them into separate cruisers. But even as he was being driven away, Ron leaned out of his window and shouted to Dorinda, I love you. Okay, so Samantha Dorinda Malone was born in Cobb County, Georgia, <gasps> right by us, Wow. in 1947. By the time she was 21, she had three children and had already been married for five years <gasps> um, to a minister who she says was the biggest jerk who ever walked the planet. Um, they got divorced and then by 1981, she had been married two more times. People say that Dorenda had a talent for convincing people to do what she wanted. She was kind of like, she was a fairly plain looking person. Um, one, one article described her as a Southern Angela Lansbury with curves, which I think just means she was like Angela Lansbury with a little bit of weight on her. Oh, um, I was thinking like boobs. No. Like a busty Angela. Like a busty, Linsbury. like a real, like a uh, Jessica Rabbit, Angela Lansbury. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's a real 80s looking. Um gotcha. like big old glasses, short hair. But she was like she had always been able to attract men and talk them into doing things for her. And she was also always up to shady shit. She, when she was in her early 20s, she was like a habitual shoplifter. And there's this story that she shoplifted from this one, like, five and dime so many times, but every time she was, like, able to talk her way out of it. And then eventually the store, like, got fed up and pressed charges, but she ended up beating the charges. And then she turned around and sued the store for malicious prosecution, and she won and got $2,500 from the settlement. Wow. Yeah. So she was, like, a real, like, she was, like, just one of those people. They said she had, like, a real, like soft southern voice. And she seemed kind of like, like she just seemed like a motherly person. And so she was able to talk people into doing shit. Um, she then, after she was shoplifting, she started writing bad checks. She went to jail for forgery. She had an affair with her attorney, who was married. Uh, wow. And he helped ended up helping get her released after 16 months. And then while she was on parole, she wrote more bad checks. And then disappeared before she could be arrested again. And apparently, sometimes she would like call the Cobb County Sheriff's Office and taunt them and be like, oh, "Whoa, come, here, come find me!" Oh my god! Yeah. In 1981, she was married to a man named Carl Lopez, and she convinced her husband and three other young men to go in with her on this bank robbery scheme. And according to prosecutors, Dorinda would call a small town bank and pose as an IRS employee to get the bank manager's home address. So this is like only something you could do in 1981. Right? Yeah. Um, and then the men would go to the manager's home early in the morning, hold his family hostage, while he went to the bank and emptied the vault, so the bank oh, manager wow. would go to the bank and empty the vault. So they were finally caught um, for a robbery that stole fifty-eight thousand dollars from a bank in Unadilla, Georgia. Do you know where that is? No, me neither. Um, while the bank manager's wife and two-year-old were being held at gunpoint <gasps> in their home, I know oh, it's God. pretty sad. Um, Dorinda d- denied any involvement. She actually wasn't there at any of the robberies, but her accomplices all testified that she was the mastermind. So at 35 years old, she was found guilty and sentenced to 50 years for bank robbery. Dorinda ended up in Pleasanton Federal Prison, which is outside of Oakland, California. And apparently it was one of a few prisons in the 80s where they were experimenting with co-ed prisons. Weird. Because they were like, oh, it cuts it cuts down on, like, a lot of the violence and, like, the gang rape and, the like, all of these things that were kind of wrong in prison. Ah, uh, the gang rape. Uh-huh. I feel like, wouldn't? Uh, right. I'm like, is it safe? What, did you guys only count it as gang rape if it was, like, <laughs> men on, on men? men? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was, like, one of those places that was, like, known as cup club fed like it was okay. very plush like they it was famous around the state for looking like a community college campus gotcha there are racquetball courts soda machines pool tables regular china in the dining hall air-conditioned private rooms a tv and stereo in each unit and inmates wore their own clothing they could wear whatever they wanted um there was like a 30 foot tall fence but it was like lined with rows of like flowers pansies and snapdragons dra- and you could see was there Lantana? <laughs> oh man, I drove down to get here. I drove down the Nightclipper Clipper Road. And I was trying to decide which house was the house. I think I know which one it is. But I was like, there are like multiple houses here that have overgrown. Yeah. Landscaping. It's that English cottage. Yeah, and I was just like, so wh- how did? Why is he mad at this one house? I don't know. He's just mad at the world. I mad guess. at the world. Yeah. Um. So and and inmates were allowed to, like, hold hands. So there was, like, all these couples, like, walking around. And Dorinda said, it was like Shangri-La. If you were going to be in prison in the 80s, Pleasanton was the place to be. Um, so since it was co-ed, there was obviously a lot of... a lot of Bonin. Uh, Bonin. <laughs> uh, yes. I think that is the technical turn. <laughs> um, and when Dorinda first got there, she got a job in the kitchen. And one of her first shifts, this... Naked couple, like mid doing it, fell through the ceiling and landed onto the food manager's desk. Apparently, they've been like up on the kitchen, um, like up on the roof. And it was like a really popular place for couples to go. And it had like worn through. Um, Eventually, Dorinda got a job in the business office of the prison doing clerical work. Like it was so lax that she was like a prisoner, but she wore like a three-piece suit to work. Three years into her time in Pleasanton in December of 1985, she was still working at the business office. She was now the accounting clerk. um, And that was when Ron McIntosh walked into the office looking for a job. So Ron was 39. He was doing four years for a probation violation and for investment fraud. He had co-founded this metals futures business, which I don't really understand something something about some um that had stolen its investors out of 18 million dollars wow and many of them were like retired people who had like given their savings to invest in this and when he was arrested there was actually more than 1.7 1.7 million dollars of company money that was still missing He was a Vietnam vet. He had trained in helicopters, and during his time in Vietnam, he was awarded a Bronze Star, was promoted to warrant officer, and commanded 86 mechanics and 13 helicopters. And he had wanted to continue his military career when he got home, but he didn't have enough college credit to become a commissioned officer. So he kind of like, he was like, bitter about that like he's yeah. like I did all this work I was like a boss when I was in Vietnam but now I can't be in the military yeah um, so he bounced around a bit and he had actually been married before he was drafted and now he had two kids not much of a career eventually though he was really good with numbers and he found work in commodities also something I don't know what that is <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that's a another thing where you import exporters and- yep. yeah yeah Um, but like Dorinda, Ron had a hard time staying on the right side of the law. He was working at a Seattle brokerage firm and he ended up embezzling $130,000 from dollars from clients. He was sentenced to 18 months and while he was in jail, he met another broker. And when he got out, that's when the two of them formed this precious metals business that stole over 18 million from investors. Wow. Um, but unlike Dorenda, Ron had pled guilty and he was only sentenced to two years and was due to be released in February of 1988, so like 18 months from when they met. Um, Ron and Dorinda quickly became an item. Dorinda said she realized that Ron is one of the most interesting men I've ever met. He's very much a gentleman at work and I appreciated that. It was always, please, thank you. If he was in the way, he'd say, excuse me. It was very refreshing. She said, I don't know what it was about Ron, but I just wanted to hug him. I felt very comfortable with him. It was like I had known him for a long time. I felt like I could tell him all my dark, deep secrets. But I didn't. Not yet. (laughs) Uh, About two weeks after they met, they went to a movie together on a Saturday night. And Dorinda said she felt nervous. She said, I couldn't talk. I couldn't think of anything to say to him. It was like I'd never seen him before. And Ron said, he felt kind of weird, too. A compulsion came over me to hold her hand or something, to touch her in some way. But I didn't, because I didn't really know her. Not yet. (laughs) Not yet. But by the end of the evening, Dorinda said she was in love. And they became known at Pleasanton as walkies. That's what they called them, walkies, because they would walk around holding hands, because that was like the only form of intimacy that was allowed. That was when Dorinda started calling Ron Teddy Bear, and he nicknamed her My Lady Bear. Um, Two weeks after the first movie, they went to another movie, and for a minute or two, there were no guards around, and Ron and Dorinda had their first kiss. And then six months after they met, in the summer of 1986, he proposed. Dorinda said he got down on one knee, and he asked me if I would marry him. A lot of cute things came to mind as as he was there on one knee, but I said yes because knowing Ron, I didn't know whether he would ask me again and it was not because she thought he was too proud but because she said he was too gentle to ask again if he Aww. said if she said said no so dorinda claims that like over the next year as she and ron were falling in love she also started noticing discrepancies in the ledgers of the prison accounts like a shawshank kind of deal oh wow and she brought it to she thought that like prison officials must be embezzling it and so she brought it to the attention of the prison warden who she says threatened her life if she told anyone.
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: so she says that after like after she told the prison warden, she started getting treated poorly from the guards, she felt constantly threatened and because Ron worked in the office too, she thought that he was in danger and she told them and she could see that he was like very concerned about both of their safety. She said he stopped like sleeping, he was like having a hard time. Um, but then in October 1986, this is about a year after they met, Ron got the news that he was being transferred to Lompoc, which was um, an unfenced work camp near Santa Barbara to serve out the rest of his sentence. This was something he would asked for, but when it came through, he seemed worried about what might happen to Dorenda when he was gone with the guards. And Dorenda says that the night before he left to go to Lompoc, he told her, be on that field every day. In my mind, I'll know you're safe. So he told her, like out in like the prison yard, he told her exactly where to sit and that she should be there every day between ten forty-five and eleven thirty. She says it confused her, but she promised him she'd be there. So Ron left the next morning, and because he was seen as a low flight risk, he was allowed to like take a Greyhound bus on his own wow. from Pleasanton to Lompoc.
0: And wow. yeah,
1: and Dorinda said she f- sat in the field just as Ron had told her that day, and right. she just cried. Aww. The next morning after he left, um, she was told by a prison guard that Ron had never showed up to Lompoc, and the U.S. Marshals like had him on his their list of people to look for, but he was like not a high priority. I mean, he only had like a year left on his sentence. He was a white collar criminal. He didn't have right. a violent past. Apparently, they were like. 25 people who had done the same thing in that year so um apparently like most escapees get caught pretty quickly because they either like go home or they run out of money and so you know it's it really like kind of resolves itself most of the time um but remember like the government hadn't recovered 1.7 million dollars of the money that ron had swindled um plus before he went into prison ron had purchased like in a different name, five acres of land in Oregon. He owned a 49-foot yacht. Um, wow. And that spring, while he was in prison, he arranged for the yacht to be repaired and like to get it like sea ready. The summer before his escape, he had made 68 phone calls to a friend who had rented him an apartment outside of Sacramento in another name. Um, and had gotten him a Chevy Blazer and three phony IDs. So this was like obviously a plan that had been going on for a while. So a week after Ron escaped, he shows up at San Jose International Airport. He has scheduled a helicopter tour with this young pilot named Pete Sabo. He told him he was a real estate developer and that he wanted to like look at some land. And so they went up and flew towards the Los Trampas Mountains. And at one point, Pete like, out of the corner of his eye, sees something, and realizes that Ron is pointing a gun at him. <gasps> and so Ron is like, put the helicopter down. So they're on this remote hillside, and Ron makes Pete get out of the helicopter, oh and is God. like, give me your shoes. Because it's like covered with all these thorns. So Pete gives him the shoes. And then Ron moves over to the seat, takes the controls, and takes off. Because remember, he was a helicopter pilot oh, in wow. Vietnam. So. That same morning, Dorinda was out in the prison field just as she had been every day when she saw a helicopter flying overhead. And it like wasn't unusual. There were airports around the prison. Wow. But this one was like coming in low. Everybody was kind of like, what is happening? And then it touched down in the prison yard. And Dorinda said she immediately thought, it's Ron. And she ran towards the helicopter. She opened the door. She swung herself in. And inside one of the buildings, inmate heard cheering and wondered what was happening outside. And according to news reports afterward, all the other inmates on the yard were yelling, go, 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 (laughs) like, get out of here. Like, they were so excited that someone was escaping. Uh, Dorinda says that when she got into the helicopter, Ron put one hand on her knee and said, want to get out of here? And she said, well, you're driving. And then he took off. Uh, Wow. Because Ron had that car ready, so he he had hidden it in the woods, so he touched down the helicopter. The two got into the Chevy Blazer. very smart criminal. Very smart criminal. And headed to an apartment he had rented in Sacramento. Dorinda said they only stopped for some KFC (laughs) on the way. You gotta. Yeah. So the next morning, Dorinda turned on the TV, and she saw that the national news was covering their jailbreak. Um, but for the next 10 days, the two played house. They took drives just because they could. They ate out. They read the paper about their jailbreak, and which was kind of when they both learned about the full extent of each other's past criminal behavior. Um, they said they, they made the love uh-huh. <laughs> a lot. They boned. They boned a lot. Uh, mm. One day, they took a stroll along the river, Ron said that Dorinda was walking by the river, and she just sat down and just cried because she hadn't seen a river in six years. She said ducks were there, kids were feeding the ducks. It was one of those scenes you just don't see in a prison. And Ron said, I'm so glad we went there. It made her happy, and that made me happy. And then they also went to buy those rings. Ron, at one point, had suggested sailing on his yacht to South America, but Dorinda wasn't sure. She says it's because she thought maybe she could reconnect with her kids. But when they went to pick up the rings, of course, they were arrested. Apparently, Ron had paid the balance on the rings with a check with the same alias he had used to pay for the helicopter ride. So they were like what looking a- for that. Yeah. Yummy. So plainclothes police officers and US Marshals had been stalking out the store since the day before. Uh, Ron and Dorinda went to trial together in May of 1987. They were each represented by different lawyers. Ron was <clears throat> portrayed as a veteran with PTSD and that he had like been possibly been like played by Dorinda. like in his mind, he had to save her because she was being threatened by the guards.. Uh-huh. Although Dorinda claimed that she had no idea that Ron was gonna break her out of prison, there was evidence at trial that she knew and that she was probably the one who came up with the plan. There was also no proof that there was any embezzlement happening at the prison, or that Dorinda had ever been threatened by the guards. So neither of their stories was very convincing. The jury convicted them both before the defense defense attorneys even had a chance to get a cup of coffee. Like they said, they like rested their case. The jury went to go deliberate they're and guilty. That. Yeah, they're guilty. Mm. Um, before their sentencing hearing, Ron and Dorinda were married in the basement of the federal courthouse in San Francisco with their lawyers as witnesses. And then minutes after they got married, Dorinda was sentenced to five years for the escape plus the t- other time she had to serve. Right. And Ron was sentenced to 25 years for the escape and the air piracy. Wow. Um, as you can imagine, this story was like a huge sensation. It was like portrayed as the ultimate love story. Like a man who had only a year left on his sentence, who was going to basically like be free, uh, risked it all to rescue the love of his life, who was like being threatened by prison guards. Like Ron was thought of this like lovesick dope who had been manipulated by they kept they like thought of her as like a Southern Jezebel, Uh Um, and the headlines of stories were like were prisoners of the heart and another one was flight of the heart which, I mean I feel like they could do better but yeah uh, but what came out after the wedding I'm trying to think and um that was a of a better one that was a challenge yeah
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) or. Flight of the Concords. alligator. You know, like remember <laughs> Flight no, of the Navigator? Of Do you remember Flight of the Navigator? The no. movie in the eighties is like a Disney movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. always thought they were saying Flight of the Alligator, and I was really pissed when I watched the entire fucking movie like, and there was zero alligators. Where's the alligator coming?
1: an alligator? Here? <laughs> um, the day the jailbirds flew free. The jailbirds flew the coop. Yeah, better. There we go. So much better. Okay. Yeah. All better. (laughs) (laughs) So everybody's portraying this as like the ultimate love story, right? Right. But uh, then something came out after the wedding and after the sentencing that made it seem like maybe Ron's motives in escaping weren't quite as pure as was originally (gasps) thought, because four days after their wedding, Ron was charged with murder. What? So in 1984, when he had started up the precious metal scheme, he and his co-guy, co-conspirator, had borrowed money from a fellow con man, a guy named Ronald Ewing. And when they didn't pay him back, Ewing had threatened to expose their con and Ron and his partner had paid to have him killed. Wow. So Ron knew that he was being investigated for that murder. And so even though he was like close to the end of his sentence for the fraud, he knew that before he got out, he was probably going to be charged with the murder unless he disappeared. So... For six years, Ron and Dorinda continued to stand by each other. They were in different facilities now. But because they got married, they were able to write each other letters. Um, they would call each other illegally in like a three-way line set uh-huh. up by Ron's mother. But then in 1990, Ron was sentenced to life for the murder, and the two never spoke again. Oh, wow. So Dorinda stayed in prison Mm -hmm. until her health began to fail. She was um, moved to a medical unit in Texas. And then in 2010, she was paroled on compassionate release. She had spent 30 years in prison, minus those 10 days. Um, She was estranged from her children and didn't know many people on the outside. So Dorinda moved to an assisted living facility in Arizona, where she still is today. Um, Ron remains in prison, although he is working on an appeal that his lawyer says has a good chance of being granted. But of course, his lawyer would say that. And actually, in May of 2020, when Dorinda found out that Ron might be possibly getting out, the two started exchanging letters again 30 years after they cut off contact. But Dorinda said it fizzled before it even started. According to her, Ron told her to move on with her life. He said, we had good memories and we need to move on wow that's the story of ron and dorinda (gasps) what are you doing here without dorinda (laughs) see that
0: would have been the perfect thing for me to go say to him when i visited him
1: (laughs) you can still do it there's still
0: a chance wow i will oh my god how many you guys this is a lost opportunity on all of us housewives fans right Let's Can line up there? one by one. Let's take a bus <laughs> full of people to the jail.
1: I feel like I have so many people. One visitors. by <laughs> one. What are you
0: doing here? That's a good story, though. That's wild. Yeah, isn't it? Wow. Wild? That is romantic, though. It
1: is romantic. It's yeah. like even even if he escaped because he had this other charge he pending. He could have
0: went by alone. Yeah, he could have gone alone. For he came Dorina. back for her. Yeah, yeah, in a helicopter. That's yeah. fucking boss. That's a
1: pretty boss.
0: Man, good
1: story, dude. Thanks, man.
0: Hey, Sally. Hey, Jen. Are you ready for a love story that only has love in it? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything exciting? Because it's my turn to do the love story. Is there anything exciting, like a helicopter escape? or No. Like a, no? There's no prison. No? you No. no. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess then. Yeah.
0: Well, this is a nice story. Right. It's a nice story. It's a nice apple pie love story. Ooh, happy town. Yeah. Okay. Easy peasy. Um, but the first part is going to talk about death.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of has to, right? It's like,
0: what uh, are the stakes? You You're know. just going to be like... <laughs> uh, when they're 78 and 79 years old... Usually there's Someone's some dying. death before. <laughs> um, so this is an article for OprahDaily.com written by Mackenzie Jean-Philippe, right. which is a great name. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is about two people finding love later in life. I love these kinds I of know. stories. They're they always make me happy. I love them jim adams who is a painter after his wife died in 2017 there we go we're going to get out of the way quickly yeah he thought that he would be single for the rest of his life of course you know they had been married for 38 years they had a full life together they had two children they had two grandchildren um so he was a retired professor um from philadelphia and also a painter they moved to vancouver in 1970
1: and canadian
0: healthcare. (laughs) yeah um but and he was happy you know with his life of just you know he would volunteer and uh, around the community and he just painted
1: yeah um so um,
0: it does sound lovely But then in 2020, a little thing called COVID happened Um, and Jim found himself in quarantine like the rest of us. So he really kind of just spent his he said it wasn't that different from his regular day to day, which was just he spent his hours painting alone in his studio. But then one um, fall day he got a whim, and he thought he would try. At seventy eight years old, he thought he would try online dating.
1: Oh uh, yeah, yeah right.
0: So he joined Grindr. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> he joined. It's called Silver Singles. I have. have you heard I've about? Seen okay. Those commercials. It's a site that helps people over fifty find love. And let me, let me just say, over fifty, I'm dangerously close oh, to silver dear. singles.
1: I'm. Yes. You know, it you said one time on this podcast about the fifty five and uh, a fifty five and older community. And it is freaked me out ever since. I know. It's <laughs> like I'm not that far away from being no. allowed to live here. I know. I know.
0: but on me it's too much. Oh like, I guess so
1: much Yeah. So much love to do, I think. Or not. I don't know. You know. Just coast.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so He joined Silver Singles, and he ended up matching with a woman named Audrey Coates. Apparently, what's cool about this site, because I'm now now getting into the world, Uh this site, they assess um, a potential couple's suitability um, based off of their shared interests. So they'll tell you, when you match with a person, they'll tell you your um, compatibility percentage. So
1: like you are 87% with this person.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they ended up matching at a 94%, Whoa. which is really high. And so on October fifteenth, two 2020, he reached out to her. Um, he said, "I came across Audrey on my first go through on the site. It only took a day to find her. After that, I didn't need any more." I said, "Well, I have to meet this person who's as crazy as I am." <laughs> so that's a that's a success story. Yeah, you know, I was like, only have to be on it for one day. Happen. <laughs> so Audrey could, too, she had actually been on Silver Singles for om- almost four years. Yeah. Uh, but she kind of was at the point where she rarely even looked at her profile. I mean, yeah. I can imagine, you know, she. She's in her. She's seventy nine years old. Like I really doubt she's looking at her phone. Like right, us young.
1: Right, we're young. Right,
0: we're so, so young. We're young. so young. <laughs> okay. uh, so she actually was about to cancel her account, and then so she had been divorced for thirty three years, and um, she said that she had been on plenty of dates, and you know she found friendships before, but never really true love. Yeah. She's a retired insurance broker, um, and she was quarantined like the rest of us and she kind of was okay with being alone she said I had a full life and I was happy family and good friends and um, neighbors Mm -hmm. she said it would be it would be wonderful if there was someone and we could share our lives together and then I thought well I'm going to live here I'm going to be here living on my own and that's okay yeah so one day um Audrey you know Got this match. And mm-hmm. so she had never matched with anyone over an 82 percentile. Yeah. So um, so she just said when she saw a 94, she was like, I got to see what okay, this okay. is about. Yeah. So, and she said as soon as she started talking to him, she said, we just fit. We just clicked. Um, I st- we still don't know why it wasn't 100. Oh. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> so for the next 10 days, they ended up spending two hours a night on FaceTime every night talking to each other. Um, they bonded over their shared love of art, classical music, and theater, and they were both members of their local concert association. Oh, really? Association. Associations, associations, <laughs> associates. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, which is really like that's you know.
1: That's, I mean, I, don't know. I feel like that's some old people. Shit. Is everybody?
0: Is it? Is that old people? Shit? I don't know. I don't know. I remember my dad once was like, uh, ex like bought. Season tickets to the Atlanta Ballet, just because like the he got roped into a phone call. Like, yeah. he answered the phone, but they were like, "Excuse me, sir, do you like the arts?" I guess. <laughs> <laughs> do you like going to the ballet? I've never been, but what's your name? <laughs> and then he ended up buying
1: season tickets, so I
0: just got them. It was like, it, it was really nice. Yeah, I um, know so it's, it's the never- opera. It was the opera, not the ballet. Now oh, I'm remembering. Yeah.
1: I've been. I've been to the opera a couple times in, like, when we lived in Europe. Uh huh. And, like, we went to this opera in Hungary. My mom and I went, and it was, like, so lovely. Like, it was just, it was, like, this beautiful, I can't remember which one it was, but it was, like, one of the classic operas, right? And, and this, you fell asleep. No, it was great. It was, okay. so, like, it was amazing. This, and the opera house was just, like, gorgeous, right? So, Ben's parent came, parents came to visit us. And I was like, we have to go to the opera. And so then we go to the opera, and it is, like, this modern reimagining of a Hungarian opera as it's, like, hip-hop opera. And it was so bad. And they are so polite that, like, at – but, like, at halftime, I was like, we can go. And they were like, can we? Yeah. (laughs) We left the opera at, like, the, like, halfway point intermission. That's what they call it at halftime. But, yeah – and I felt so bad because I had been like, we have to go to the opera. The opera is amazing. The opera is something that
0: in my mind I thought I would love that. Yeah. I love the opera. I want to go to the opera. And then I, so I got the season yeah. tickets to it and I fell asleep during every single one. Yeah. I just couldn't do it. It's not
1: for me. not
0: for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like cruises, cruises are not <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, um, they um, they both volunteered in their communities, and um, that was. They were both passionate about volunteering, and they both served old on, people. Shit, no, old people. Shit. and they both served on a number of boards and committees throughout their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, they both said that family was priority for them, and um, it also says that he thank, liked pizza. She liked pizza. She liked pizza, <laughs> and also said thankfully um, they aligned politically, which is very important in the mm-hmm. Um The two, and then they discovered that they had um, friends in common too. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. And then, of course, they wanted to meet in person. But because of COVID-19, Audrey was hesitant to meet him in person, especially, you know, when you're older. But to make sure that she was comfortable, Jim ended up arranging for them to have lunch at a restaurant that was nearby and was always empty in the afternoon. Yeah. So we had a private table, private table reserved for them in the back of the restaurant. Their first date went perfectly because three months later... <gasps> Audrey moved in with Jim uh, yeah. He uh, into his quiet waterfront community in White Rock, Vancouver. And on May 26, 2021, uh, Jim ended up proposing to Audrey over a pasta dinner in their home. That's Isn't that so really cute? sweet? He ended up giving Audrey his mother's 1939 Art Deco ring. He said, um, he told Oprah dot daily.com, he said, I'm pulling a ring out of my pocket and all I can think is, don't drop it in the pasta. <laughs> <laughs> so they asked him why... Why did you feel this was the right time to pop the question, you know, after only eight months of knowing each other? And he said, it seemed like I'd been living with her for years. I'd be sitting here thinking about something and then she would say it. I would start to say something and she'd say the same thing almost at the same time. We were connected. So what were we waiting for? The only reason it took me so long to propose was that I had to find the ring and that took two
1: months that's so sweet. Yeah, that is just it's like such a good lesson. It's like you know, you know. Yeah, right? I know. Yeah. Love that.
0: Me too. So they ended up having a small wedding at a nearby golf club on September twenty-fifth is when they got married and they said it was a perfect seventy-four degree weather day and they said their vows in front of eleven of their close family and friends, including some of their three children and eight grandchildren. And then they had a luncheon afterwards. And Jim said we had the opportunity to insert our own vows or whatever we wanted to say to each other and I think that we were both too chucked up to do it. That's so sweet. That's very sweet. And so the very next day after they got married, um, his son and his best man, uh, J.J. Adams, ended up tweeting out a photo of his dad and Audrey on their wedding day saying, My dad did the impossible, found love in the pandemic at 77, no less. And got hitched this weekend, and it's the cutest picture of them together. Um, do you want to see it? Cause you're next to me, yeah. you can actually see it. Look how cute they are. Aww,
1: look how happy they are. I know.
0: I know. And so the post immediately went viral, and now it has, uh, as of when this article was written, it, it had a hundred and fifty five thousand likes and four thousand plus uh, retweets, um, and what's Crazy is that on Twitter, when there's usually, even on something so lovely and wonderful, there's always hate, but there's no negative comments. Um, and Audrey said that's what brought us some joy to look at all these people who say they they feel ha- they're happy about it. Especially in this time, I think people are hungry for good news, and maybe some people are lonely and you know maybe isolating like we are. It's resonating with so many. Yeah. Um, and they don't have any honeymoon plans right now because um, they just like to stay at home and they watch their favorite detective shows together. Oh, I
1: want to <laughs> move in with them.
0: <laughs> I know. And then Jim said we live on a quiet street and we have a. Quiet quiet. quiet life. I can spend days on end doing very little when it, and when it's raining, we don't even need to go out. I'll paint, I'll rub Audrey's feet and I'll go back and paint some more. Jim, I want to marry you.
1: Seriously, that's like some Nodding Hill shit.
0: I know. No. And so right now through January 2nd, Jim actually has 10 paintings on display at the Vancouver Art Gallery. Oh, cool. I wish we could go. If anybody lives in Vancouver, please go. And then he has one of his paintings is a self-portrait of him, but he included a small little Easter egg. Um, uh, for his new love, it said. In the painting, he's wearing a ring on his left hand, but if you look closely, it just has Audrey's name <sighs> on the ring. And he completed this painting before he even told his family about Audrey. Wow.
1: Um,
0: he said, and this is, a, this is just an added bonus. I love stories like this. But he said, I've had a lot of exhibitions, but I didn't have my first major breakthrough until I was over 70.
1: I love that. I know.
0: He said, so it's a matter of patience, and it's the same thing with love. You have to be patient. It will happen, and it doesn't matter what age you are. You have a lifetime of experience behind you. This is just one more experience that you're having. Isn't that great? That's so great. I know. I love this story so much. Oh, that was a good one. Thanks, man. Thanks, Oprah. Thanks, Thanks, OprahDaily.com. Thanks, Mackenzie (laughs) Jean-Philippe. Jean-Philippe. Um, no, I love this story. I think it's so, it's so. I do love hearing stories about people finding love in general. Mm-hmm. And I really love pe- stories about people finding love later in life. And then I also love hearing people's success stories later yes. in life. Me too. Like at 79 is when he had his most successful show. Perfect. Love it.
1: It can happen for us. Yeah. (laughs) when these days, Sally, you and me, we're
0: really going to blow up.
1: (laughs) Any day now. Any day. Um, All right. Well, let's do something dumb and something with love so we can go eat. Yeah, I'm uh, hungry. uh, Me too. You go first. Okay. So my something dumb is... um, Okay. So I don't know if you can tell I dyed my hair. I love it. Thank you. It was... a fucking disaster and i just am like here's what's dumb is that when i am 43 right 43 43 43 43 43. uh Uh it's hard to say don't like a (laughs) day of 12 my birthday is in like two weeks Uh, oh my god i keep forgetting your birthday is during red clay (sighs) Jesus, I thought that was, like, why you were having it. It is. (laughs) It's all for you. It's all for me. Um, I have dyed my own hair a million times. Like, I was blonde for many years, and Uh I I dyed that all myself. But probably one out of three times, it would be a disaster. And so I know that most of the time I'm going to be upset and hate my hair if I do it myself. Uh Uh-huh. So why, Jen, why? do I keep doing it myself? <laughs> I think it looks great. <laughs> well, it, it was real orange. Orange? Real orange. Oh, dang. And then I went back in with some, like, and now I've learned how to, like, correct it. But it just is, like, one of those things where I'm, like, when am I just going to be, like, I'm I, every time I think. Learn your lesson? I think this is the time it's going to turn out perfect and my whole life is going to change. <laughs> I, I know.
0: I hear you. Every time I did my hair, or yeah. or even no matter where I go, I no. always yeah.
1: I always have the hope. I always hold out hope that this is gonna change.
0: The big one. The big, it's a big one. one.
1: I'm gonna look different, and they're <laughs> finally gonna make my hair not my hair. <laughs> it's like your joke about getting a face peel. Where yeah, it surprise! It's your face. Like, the whole it's my time. face under there. Yeah, it looks <laughs> the same. Exactly how I felt. Oh, anyway, I so that's dumb, or just like it's like the knocking your head against something and thinking something's gonna be different. But the thing I love is, have you been watching Only Murders in the Building? No, is that good? It is good. I really, it's just, yeah. They just finished the season. And okay, it's, it's delightful. It's is like it... yeah, it's Steve Martin. It's uh, Martin Short. Okay. Uh, Selena Gomez. She's great. She's great. It's uh, it's really fun to watch. It's like a fun murder mystery. Right. Uh, and I was hoping you watched it because I don't understand the title. And I wanted someone to explain it to me. But Oh, sorry. Have to I Google. haven't.
0: I've been very busy lately. Yeah. Like, not just, like, I'm not meaning, like, work and the mm-hmm. podcast and yeah. the festival and all that stuff. I mean, like, Bravo is... <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> They're pumping out some shit. It's really, uh, like, a fucking... <laughs> a
0: festival over there of <laughs> entertainment. There is just too much. We've got uh, Salt Lake City. We've got um, a four-part reunion of Beverly Hills. What? Yes. We've got um, winter houses. Like, I mean, I cannot keep up. I can't.
1: <laughs> it's, it's a lot. And I'm sorry. I
0: didn't know. That's what's dumb for me is it's dumb how much Bravo content <laughs> there is.
1: I wouldn't have made you go out to dinner Um, i know i mean well
0: (laughs) lucky for you i stayed up all night long catching up yeah (laughs) um but then something i love i guess is um there's actually a new book called life isn't all diamonds and Uh rosé and i'm very it's all about it's like a expose on housewife shit and i can't wait very exciting um so i tried to download it today but it's not available yet so that's my something dumb something i love and something i really love is that we're about to go eat food because i'm starving oh man me too all it's right dark
1: outside and we haven't eaten this is so weird it's so weird all right. um all right you guys thank you for listening we love you so much get in touch get in touch yeah, drop, we you, love drop emails. your friends sal and jenna email at dumb love dumb love dumb love gmail.com thank you i've know, lost Um, it Uh, you can find us on the socials anywhere at Dumb Love Podcast and you know rate and review us and tell a friend we would love that
0: and come see us at the Red Clay Comedy Festival November 5th and 6th you can see Sally on stage and you can come give me a hug because I'll be losing my ass (laughs) (laughs) and um, we would love to see you you can get tickets on redclaycomedy.com do it and uh, don't forget to get out there and do something dumb for love dum da dum 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 da dum da dum da dum 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 dum